covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you. For you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God in my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back. everybody so good to see you this morning welcome to victory christian fellowship if you're watching online we just want to say hello to you as well god bless you father we're so grateful and thankful that you are god in heaven there is no god beside you you are the great and mighty god you are the most high god and lord we direct our praise to you this morning and we give you glory and honor and praise you're so good and we just enjoy your goodness lord we love you and we welcome you in your presence here in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
but now I'm free. Free is better. Free is better. Hallelujah. God specializes in making people free. He, he makes you so free that you forgot what the bondage was. of God far outweigh the bondage of the enemy. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that you have truly made us free indeed. And we so appreciate and value and honor the freedom which you've given us. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to us. This is a breakthrough weekend. For the Lord is the breaker of chains. He's the breaker of prisons. He's the breaker of bondages. something today as he always does we're going to declare the word about harvest yeah yeah go, go for it that's the first verse of the freedom song 
the third song it is. Is the green light on? Okay, so you see where it says, step out of the grave, break into the wild, don't be afraid. While I was singing it, I realized that for some people, they've been in the grave so long, like they've been in this bondage so long, that stepping out to them is wild. Like the land around is wild. So it's almost like it's a forest or something, and it's it's not developed, it's not cultivated. So that's why they're staying in their prison. That's why they're staying dead. But it's only wild for you because you've never seen it. It's not really wild. It's wild for you. For somebody else, it's normal. It's trees they can climb on and fields they can run through. Amen? So you have to ask the Lord to let the scales fall off of your eyes. When Paul was Saul, he had a religious view of God, which was persecuting Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when Jesus is persecuted in our lives, we are not honoring the body of Christ because that's who that's who Paul went around and put in prison people who were in the body of Christ. So whatever grave has buried you for years and you have made it home, the reason could be because you're afraid of what you see out through the little peepholes. Mm-hmm. And you think it's wild and there's animals there. They're going to get you. No. There's trees there for shade. There's soil on the ground that you can plant and cultivate. Get out of the grave. Get out of the prison box so you can start living. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's declare the word of God about harvests. God's kingdom operates on the principle of seed time and harvest. Seeds are powerful tools that bring increase and produce harvest. God has empowered us to be fruitful and multiply. Our God is good to us, and his blessing causes the earth to yield its harvest for us. We purposely plant our seed in good ground, and it grows, ripens, and we reap its returns. We know the condition of our assets and pay close attention to our finances so that our family is well taken care of and we are able to help others. We work in God's kingdom. We receive wages and gather fruit for eternal life. We rejoice when we plant and when we reap. Our seeds begin to increase greatly the moment they are planted. We reap abundantly because we sow generously. We cheerfully and freely give to God's work and kingdom. God makes every favor and earthly blessing come to us, and we have more than enough to do what God wants and give to others. We are sowers, and the Lord gives us seed and meets our needs, according to his glorious riches in Christ. He multiplies our resources and increases our righteousness, so we are enriched in every way. We walk worthy of the Lord and please him in all things. We are fruitful, producing abundant harvest in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God. Our faith is strong, our insight is clear, and our love is strong for God's word. 
At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm so excited to be at church. Okay, so we have some announcements for today. Tuesday is youth group. And we have been busy, let me tell you. We are planting lots of seeds and we are reaping the harvest. So this Tuesday, May 31st at 6 p.m. is youth group. This is a special one because we are celebrating our graduate, Kelsey. So we are going to party the entire time. We will have food and games. So this is a great time if you know any teenagers for them to come out and just get to know VCF. Also, the youth, we are going to do a spaghetti dinner as a fundraiser. And so sign-ups are in the back so we know how much spaghetti we're supposed to make. Um, and we're going to use Miss Dottie's special sauce, so it's going to be really good. Right? Um, and that will be for Father's Day, which is June 19th. So you definitely want to get your orders in. Wednesday is Wednesday night refreshing at 6.30. It is great to come and be refreshed in the middle of the week because it helps keep you, like, full throughout the entire week so you don't get drained or anything. All right, Sunday, June 5th, is book club. So we're going to take, we're going to finish up the book, Identity Reset, and then we'll take a break for the summertime and pick back up in September. So it's going to be really good. We're going to celebrate our our new identities. That's what I want to (laughs) say. All right. Um, we also have our new Shopify store, right? We are excited about that. We can share our books and our teachings and our supplies with anybody around the world. Isn't that awesome? So if you are interested in supporting that, you can be a sponsor for a month or sponsor the whole year. And we also want to give God praise because our AC project, we reached our goal Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for air conditioning. (laughs) And we have two other projects that we are doing as well. Our VCF kitchen project, where we're going to get um, two new stoves, a new refrigerator, and a vent, so we don't have grease all over our kitchen. We operate at excellence in the house of God. And we have our VCF stage light project as well, so we can get beautiful stage lights so our online audience can, you know, also experience the excellence as well. All right. And my fact that I learned is water is pretty weird, okay? (laughs) It makes up like 70%, right, of the earth with all the oceans. It's 65% of our body. In no way, shape, or form should water actually work. It shouldn't be in liquid form at its normal, like at a regular temperature. The ice should technically be denser and should sink to the bottom of the water, which it does not. It should boil at like 25 degrees, I think it is, like if it actually followed the periodic table. But it doesn't. Um, 
And the reason for that is something called hydrogen bonding. So water is made up of oxygen and hydrogen. And when those two things come together and actually operate in unity, those bonds is what gives it weird properties. And it's supposed to be that way, though, because if it boiled and froze easily, we wouldn't be able to sustain life, right? And if the ice actually sunk to the bottom of the water, it would kill all the fish in the ocean, right? All the icebergs and stuff would be down at the bottom. So it actually does a lot of preservation, and there's water actually surrounding our brains. So because it doesn't heat up and cool quickly, it actually protects all of the vital organs inside of you as well. So water is just weird, and I'm so thankful for that. But it's because of that property of unity that it has is what makes its bond so hard to separate, which is why it has all those weird properties. So I am thankful that when the body of Christ is in unity, we are weird to the world. And it doesn't matter because we sustain the life of God here on earth, and that is how we operate. So that is our announcement. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I love our announcements. And uh, we we actually got in more than enough for our AC project. So when when those parts come in, they'll be installed. And uh, praise God, we're... Uh, we have four units and only have to replace one. That's that's a blessing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, the overflow will go to those other projects as well. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. God is faithful and God is good. Hallelujah. All right. I want you to turn to uh, Deuteronomy 26 for a moment before I dismiss the kids, the kids life. Hallelujah. And then uh, this, uh, this August, I'll be representing uh, Victory Christian Fellowship uh, in India as I teach uh, at a Bible school there uh, for a week. So the third week in August, uh, I'll be there. And uh, we have a commission club. And uh, that's where our, our, our coins uh, go to. If you come in, you see that container of coins. That goes to a commission club. And a commission club is for anyone that does a missions trip from VCF, and uh, you can also uh, designate any gift to the Commission Club as the Lord puts it on your heart, um, and that just helps us to touch the world, amen, amen? and uh, had the privilege of going to a different part of India uh, three years ago, and uh, this will be a different part, so God is good. In Deuteronomy 26, starting with verse 1, he says, and it shall be when you are coming to the land. Have you come into the land? Yeah. Coming into the land for a believer is coming into the promises of God. Amen. Which the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance. Yeah, you come to the right place today about inheritance. And notice that he gives you for an inheritance and possesses it. You know, having an inheritance is one thing, but possessing it is another thing. When God gives it to you, it's your job to possess it. Okay? And dwell therein. Verse 2. Then you shall take of the first. Everybody say the first. The first of all the fruit of the earth, which you shall bring of your land that the Lord your God gives you, and shall put it in a basket. 
and shall go into the place which the Lord your God shall choose to place his name there. God chose to put his name here. Amen. Hallelujah. And you shall go to the priest. Well, that would be me. (laughs) Hallelujah. And shall be in those days and say unto him, I profess this day. See, you've got to give with a confession. You've got to give with an expectancy. And say, I profess this day unto the Lord your God that I am coming to the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers to give us. And the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord. Now, we don't have baskets, but we have wood containers. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, you shall speak and say before the Lord your God, a Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became a nation great, mighty and populous. God took the seed of Israel, which was 70, when they went to Egypt, and they became millions. All right? And and the Egyptians uh, evil entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and looked at our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And the Lord brought us forth. Now, that's a good reaping of a, of a seed, isn't it? Deliverance from bondage was a seed of, uh, that was, that it was a result of a seed that they sowed. Okay? And, uh, the Lord brought us forth, verse 8, uh, out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. And he has brought us into this place and has given us this land, even a land that flows with milk and honey. Hallelujah. Alright, verse 10, and now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which the Lord uh, ha- which you, Lord, have given me, and you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship. So when you give, you worship. Amen. Giving is worship. Hallelujah. All right. And uh, and you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you and unto your house and unto the Levite and the stranger that is in among you. Notice when they gave, people were taken care of. Amen. And we ought to give with rejoicing. We ought to give with worship. We ought to give with expectation. Amen. Because God's brought you into his promises. God brought you into his house. He brought you into his family. And he brought you into his kingdom. And Father, I just declare uh, uh, the blessing of the Lord. The powerful, incredible blessing that you have given us, Lord, upon every gift and giver of VCF. And I call their gifts multiplied to them, increased to them. I cause their gifts to abound to them by the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that they are blessed going out and blessed coming in in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you're watching online, you can give uh, uh, through our website as well. You can give any time during the service. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, kids, are you excited? And ready for kids live? Teachers, are you ready? Helpers, are you ready? Kids, be dismissed to your class. All of the volunteers of VCF are cross-trained. They do many things. And uh, we appreciate the level of uh, service that our volunteers Bring to VCF. Hallelujah. Amen.
Well, you ready for the word this morning? Yes. Glory to God. I'm ready to give the word. I, you know, I was soaking in, in breakthrough because we had a breakthrough breakfast yesterday for the men, and it was just wonderful. And I believe that God uh, touched their hearts. And, uh, you know, the breakthrough is continuing. Yes. Amen. And the Lord put on my heart this morning to uh, talk to you about how to overcome an enemy attack. How to overcome an enemy attack. We know that tomorrow is Memorial Day. And uh, that was a day when uh, that was set aside to uh, honor and remember the fallen soldiers and military uh, people. And, you know, the best way that we could honor them is appreciate what they've done and keep the freedom that they fought for us. Amen? That means there are times when we have to stand up and let our voice be heard. Amen? And I so appreciate every branch of the military. I saw a commercial yesterday, and it said that uh, the Earth's surface is, uh, I think it was, what, 80% water, and there's like 30 or maybe 60% water, 30% land, but it was for the Air Force, it says, but the skies belong to us. I love that. That's for you, Miss Lisa. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yeah, the skies belong to us. Well, you know what? The earth belongs to the Lord. Amen? And uh, there were many military people in the Bible. David was a military man. Joshua was a military man. Uh, Gideon was a military man. Every judge that served in Israel was a military man. And oftentimes they would go into battle and not lose a person. As long as they did it the Lord's way. When they did it according to their own strategy, trouble would ensue. Right? But uh, we ought to remember... Those that have uh, died to preserve our freedom, amen, that's a good thing. And I, I, love, I love this country, amen, the United States of America. And uh, yeah, the enemy's trying to do some things, but he's, he's whooped, amen. Why? Because we got a voice. See, I have a voice. See, I have weapons. Yeah, we got to use them. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 29 for just a moment, and uh, I want to show you something, hallelujah, a familiar scripture, you've probably heard it uh, over the years, um, he was talking about uh, overcoming the captivity that Israel was in, and in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, Jeremiah 29 Verse 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Did you know that God thinks about you? He has thoughts about you. What, what do you suppose God thinks about you? Well, he tells us. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Now, peace is an all-encompassing word, means nothing missing, nothing broken. So God thinks of you as nothing missing, nothing broken. Amen? Okay? Say, God thinks about me. Okay? Not of evil. If any evil occurs in your life, it did not come from God. God God doesn't even think about evil. Okay? To give you an expected end. I like other translations. They say a future and a hope. 
How many know God's got a future for you? He's got plans, okay? He's got thoughts. Then shall you call upon me. Once you know that God thinks about you for good, to prosper you, not to give you evil, to give you a future hope, then you got to call upon him. Amen? Pray. And you shall go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Say, God listens to me. God thinks about you and God listens to you. Okay? Why? He loves you. Okay? And you shall seek me and find me. What happens when you seek him? You find him. You're not going to, if you're seriously looking for God, you're not going to spend a whole lot of time looking for him. Because you're going to find him. Quickly. And when you shall search for me with all your heart, right? That's something that we have to do. You know, yeah, you can look for God flippantly and maybe you'll find him. But if you look for him with all your heart, you'll definitely find him. Okay? And I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. Isn't that what he did to his nation? Israel was gathered as a nation once again in 1948. All right? So go to Psalm 139. Go to Psalm 139. Hallelujah. How does this fit into overcoming an enemy? You'll find out. Trust me. All right, Psalm 139. And look at verse 3. The whole psalm is really good. I mean, it's incredible. God knows everything about you. Right? Verse 3, though, you compass my path with and, and, and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. God knows everything about you. And he still loves you. Amen? All right, go down to verse 17. Okay, verse 17. How precious are your thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. When you have a great sum, is that a lot? Amen. God, God's always thinking about you. Okay? Now I want you to go to John 10. John 10, 10, and I want you to see the other side of things, what the enemy does, wants for you. John 10 and verse 10. Jesus is talking here, and he says, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is what the enemy thinks about you. He wants to steal from you, he wants to kill you, and he wants to destroy you. And if he can steal the word from you, he can do the other things to you. Okay? But I have come, Jesus said, that they might have life, and how how does he want you to have life? More abundantly, to the overflow, rich, full life. All right? So the enemy has plans to contain you, and if he can't contain you, he wants to take you out. God has plans to prosper you, to promote you, amen, to deliver you, to heal you, to set you free, amen? Which plans are you going to go by? Guess what? You get to choose which plans you want your life to follow. If you want to, if you want to let the thief steal from you, you can. You can give place to the enemy in your life with your mouth, 
with your thoughts, with your actions. Right? Ephesians tells us, give no place to the enemy. Everybody say, no place. Not an inch. Not a centimeter. Nothing. Zip, zero, nada. Hallelujah. Well, if the Bible says not to give place to an enemy, then he must have equipped us to do that. Amen? He, he has equipped us. Right? You know, I thought about this. How many know the story of the woman who was bent over, right? She couldn't stand straight. For 13 years. What did she have that put her in that condition? It was a spirit of infirmity. So for 13 years, this evil spirit, whom the woman didn't know, but once Jesus saw her, he knew, right? He saw, when she walked in the synagogue, he saw her, he called her out, and he said, uh, ought not this daughter of Abraham, who has a covenant with God, be loosed from this infirmity, right? And he loosed her, he said, woman, thou art loosed, Right? He, he drove that evil spirit, but the, the evil spirit wanted to contain that woman in that negative position for the rest of her life. He, he obviously couldn't take her out, but he could contain her. He could keep her bound. He could keep her in a position where she couldn't have a maximum operating capacity. I mean, think about it. You have to cook this way. You have to get dressed this way. Can't straighten up. Right? And she didn't know it was an evil spirit. But the devil was containing her. See, Satan has a plan of containment to stop the advancement of God's kingdom. You know, the enemy tried to contain Abraham in Haran. Didn't work. He left Haran. He left Ur of the Chaldeans. His father stopped in Haran. Why? Because Haran was Abraham's brother who died. His father couldn't get past the death of his son. So God called Abraham. Abraham heard his voice and God brought him out, didn't he? But the enemy's plan was to keep him there. The enemy tried to contain Israel in Egypt. How'd that work? God got the final say, didn't he? After 400 years of containment, God sent a deliverer. He brought his people out. He broke the container. Hallelujah. He broke the container. Pharaoh couldn't keep the container shut. Why? God broke the container. Why? He wanted his people out. Okay? The enemy tried to contain Joseph in a pit and then a prison. That didn't work. He he, he rose to the, the most prominent position of the nation. The pit couldn't hold him. The prison couldn't hold him. But God brought him to the place where he needed him to be. God brought him out of the container. And God's going to bring you out of the container. Anything that has contained you today, that container is being destroyed today. Anything that has hindered you is being destroyed today. Hmm. The enemy tried to keep Jesus in the tomb. That didn't last long. Couldn't hold him, could it? God broke him out. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
The enemy tried to contain Paul and Silas in the prison. That didn't work either. Why? Paul and Silas invited God in and they broke out. The enemy tried to contain Christianity in Jerusalem. That didn't work either. Because when persecution came in, the gospel went out. And more people got saved. More people heard the word. Hallelujah. The enemy tried to contain, but he couldn't. And the enemy's goal is to contain people from coming to church. But you're proof that he can't contain you. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me just give you a little insight about our enemy. How many know that we have an enemy? Our enemy is Satan, the devil, demonic forces, its principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the enemy. All right? And he is against us, but we have power over him. Three, three people got excited about having power over the enemy. We have power over him. We have power over the devil. He can't make us do anything. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. You know, Satan wants to contain you in unforgiveness. He wants you to hold on to the bad experience or the bitter feeling that occurred in your life, and he wants to contain you in unforgiveness. But in order to break out, you've got to forgive. We better read verse 10, 2 Corinthians 2.10. To whom you forgive are anything, I forgive also. Do you realize if you want God's permission to forgive, you've got to release it? You've got to release forgiveness by faith. Forgiveness is not based on feeling, it's based on God's word. Okay? For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave, forgave I it in the person of Christ. Verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage over us, we are not ignorant of his devices. Other translations say schemes. The devil has devices to try to contain you, to try to hinder you, to try to stop you. We're not ignorant of his devices. Why? The word lays out his devices. His only weapon is deception. He can only give you a thought, an idea, or a suggestion that is really a lie. It's a perversion. He can't create anything. He can only pervert what's created. Okay? All right? Go to 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. This is just a little insight about our enemy. If we're going to stop an attack from the enemy, if we're going to overcome an attack from the enemy, we got to know what the enemy does. Amen? Second Corinthians 11 and verse 3. He says, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. You know, the enemy wants to contain you in, in complexity. He wants things to be so complex that you're confused about how they operate. God makes it simple. Amen? But notice, 
What are some things that the enemy, he used beguilement. Beguilement is deception. It's trickery. Okay? It's, uh, and when you're deceived, you get corrupted and led, led away from the simplicity. You know, when you start getting too complex, you've moved away from God. Yes, God is unfathomable. Yes, his truth, will, you, you will never get to the bottom of it, but he makes it simple for us. Why? He wants us to believe it. He wants us to receive it. Call upon the Lord and you shall be saved. How simple is that? Aren't you glad that you don't got to offer a heifer or a, uh, or a sheep or a cow or, or do all that stuff? All you got to do is call on him. You don't even have to use a phone. Just use your voice. Look at the thief on the cross. He couldn't fold his hands to pray. He couldn't kneel down. All he could do was call on Jesus. And what did he, that call got him into paradise. He was in his last moment of life. He knew that he was guilty of his sin. He was a criminal. He deserved, he deserved, but he looked at Jesus and he said, remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Just a call. So don't let the enemy contain you in complexity. Go to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. Hallelujah. Look at verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. God's given us things to stand against his schemes. Did you know that when you're armed with the truth, you can poke a hole in every lie? The truth is like a big pin to a a lie balloon. Right? And people parade that lie balloon until the truth pops it and exposes it for what it is. And it, you know, when you pop a it does that thing. Right? We gotta pop, we gotta pop the lie balloons with the truth. You know, the Bible says speak the truth in love. Amen? Why? If the enemy can get you to buy a lie, he's contained you. Back in college, when we were part of a, a Pioneers for Christ, PFC, it was a spiritual life club on the campus of Lee University. They had their own van, right? And my very first meeting of PFC, I knew that I was going to end up president. God just, I'm sitting there on the seat. God just showed me that, and I was like, okay, and that, that's what happened. I became president. Well, we had a T-shirt campaign, right? And we designed this T-shirt and it was, it, it was, the, the one phrase on the t-shirt said, don't buy the lie lest you fry. And then on the back, it had a picture of the devil says, I got some lakefront property, <laughs> right? Cause he's going to end up in the lake of fire, right? It was a cool t-shirt and that we, we had that as a fundraiser. But listen, if you buy the lie, you're going to fry. If you buy the devil's lie, he can contain you. He's got an entrance into your life. Why do you think God gave us the truth in a book form so that we could refer to it, right? If it's not in here, then be wary of it, okay? 
All right. So we're not ignorant of his schemes. Go to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. And just look at this verse, verse eight. Second Thessalonians two eight. And then shall that wicked one be revealed. Who's the wicked one? That's the devil. Notice he's wicked. He's twisted. How many's ever seen wicker furniture? It's furniture that's woven together, right? By that hard kind of straw, whatever it is. Right? That wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Hallelujah. Guess what? You can consume him with your mouth too. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and what? Lying wonders. Verse 10, deceivableness, unrighteousness. Okay? Those are things that the enemy uses to contain you. Lying wonders. How many's ever heard a story of a statue crying? Oh, this must be God. No. It puts all the attention on the statue and not of God. When did you ever read a scripture where uh, statues cried and people got saved? You never read it in the Bible. That's not biblical. God, Satan has lying wonders. Things that happen that make you wonder. Well, how do we know if it's real? Read the Bible. Amen. God told us to test the spirits. Okay. Amen. Go with me to first Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. And let's start, uh, verse five. First Peter chapter five, verse five. Likewise, you younger, Submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In order for you to exercise authority over the enemy, you've got to submit to authority. You can't buck God's kingdom that he set up and still think you're going to have authority over the enemy. Our authority is only in our relationship with Jesus Christ, not outside of it, not not apart from it. Amen. We have to be submitted to God's authority in order for us to exercise authority. That was the whole premise of the Roman centurion receiving a miracle. Jesus said he had more faith than anybody he ever saw in the whole of Israel. Why? Because he understood authority, how it operates. All right, let's read on. Verse six. Humble yourselves. Where does it say God should humble you? Say, humble myself. 
What does that mean? You choose to put all your trust and reliance in God alone. When you humble yourself, it's not, it's not saying I'm going to live broke. I mean, my goodness, the church that I grew up in, the leaders took vows of poverty. Seriously. That's not God's will. God delivered us from poverty. And, uh, so humble yourselves, not, not God humble you, that he may exalt you in due time. You know, when you put your trust in God, God, he, he will promote you. Everybody say promotion comes from God. Yeah. You don't have to worry. When you're trusting God and walking with God, he'll get you to where you need to be. He'll put you in the position that you need to be in. Amen. I did not put myself here. We came here because God put us here. Amen. And no man has been able to take us away. (laughs) Glory to God. They tried. Believe me. The enemy couldn't contain us. He can't contain the Pishkas. He tried. Oh, no. We're still here. Whether you will, we have been the longest standing pastors of Victory Christian Fellowship. Even longer than the founder. And we, we honor the founder. We appreciate the founder. Why? Because we, 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 we resisted the enemy's attacks. Oh yeah, he attacked us. But we're still here. Glory to God. We won. You lost. That was to the enemy. Alright? Part of, part of humbling yourself is verse 7, casting all your care upon him. If you're walking around with care, you can't exercise authority. The enemy will contain you with care. Be careful. No, I don't want to be careful. I want to be carefree. If you want to go around saying that, say be carefree, not careful. Right? I don't want to be full of care. I want to cast all those cares to Jesus. I want to be carefree. Amen? No worry, no anxiety about anything. Hallelujah. Say, I'm fearless. Oh, say, I'm fearless. I am fearless. I don't care if it's snakes, spiders, or heights, or speaking in public. You're fearless. You have no fear in your DNA. Mm. Okay, now we get into the part of resisting the enemy's attack. Verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be alert. Be ready. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. That is a metaphor. Isn't, don't metaphors use like or as? That is a metaphor. He's not saying he's a roaring lion. The enemy does his best impression of a lion. Now, to people who are in unbelief, it sounds really loud. It sounds ferocious. But to the believer, it's like a little kitten. The Bible says, as a roaring lion. He tries his best to imitate a lion. He's like the lion in the Wizard of Oz who couldn't find his courage. He walks about. He's looking for an entrance. He's looking for a way that he can contain you. 
that he can hold you in, that he can hinder you, that he can steal, kill, and destroy you, because that's his ultimate goal. God has plans to prosper you. The enemy has plans to destroy you. Seeking whom he may devour. Do you realize as a tither, the Bible says in Malachi that when you tithe, God rebukes the devourer. He rebukes the devil. He rebukes him stealing, killing, and destroying in your life. That's just a little side note. Won't charge you anything extra for that. Notice he can't just devour anybody. He's got to have permission from the one he needs to devour. How do you give the devil permission? By not acting like God. By not speaking like God. By not thinking like God. By not walking like God. Notice our job. What do we need to do to someone who imitates a lion? See, we serve a real lion. And he's got a voice that can disintegrate the devil. Amen? Fire comes out of his mouth. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Oh my goodness. With our faith, we can resist steadfast any advance of the enemy. We got to use our, isn't faith a shield? Isn't faith part of the armor? Actually, all the armor is the word. Righteousness, truth, uh, uh, faith, sword of the spirit. That's all the word. The word is the armor. How do you put on the word? You do it. Yep. Putting on the word, all, the whole armor of God means doing all that God said. Okay. A lot of stuff's coming out today that I didn't plan on, but the Holy Ghost planned it. Resist steadfast in the faith. That means firm. You got to take a firm stance against the enemy. You got to take a firm stance against sickness. You got to take a firm stance against poverty. You got to take a firm stance against anything that will contain you, captivate you. Knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Guess what? The enemy doesn't care who he attacks. He's an equal opportunity attacker. He will attack anyone who will give him permission. Now, the enemy is a spirit. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't take a break. Now, the enemy can only be in one place at one time. And our resources of angels far outnumber the enemy. Can you say amen? More are with us than with him. All right? So we we have a greater force, and our weapons are superior to him. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I'll tell you what, there's a new level happening today. But the God of all grace, who has called you unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. Listen, you may be under attack. And and as a result of being under attack, you may suffer criticism, persecution, uh, relationships. You know, people may not like you because you love Jesus more. You know, when you become a fanatic for for Jesus, some relationships go bye bye. I'll never forget one time. (laughs) I was this was before I was married, and uh, me and another friend who taught me how to evangelize. 
we would literally go driving around my hometown to find out people who just we could witness to. And uh, we, we found this one guy, and he was coming towards us. He, he knew my friend, right? They went to school or something. And uh, my friend says, you know, he was walking, the guy was walking towards us. And my friend says, you know, Jesus will put a step in your, he'll put a skip in your step. That, that friend who was walking towards us turned around and walked the other way. Huh? He, 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 he didn't want Jesus to help him with his step, I guess. I don't know. But notice, after you suffer a while, he'll, God will make you perfect. He'll establish you. He'll strengthen you. He'll establish you. You'll get the ultimate victory. All you got to do is stand your ground. You know, standing is part of resisting. Ephesians 6 says, having done all to stand, stand. What do you stand on? You're standing on the rock. You're standing on the word. You're standing on Jesus. You're standing on the blood. You're standing on the Holy Ghost. Amen? Say, the enemy cannot contain me. I break every restriction. I overcome every barrier. Nothing can hold me down from doing what God wants me to do. Oh, amen. Shout about that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Go to um, 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Hallelujah. We're going to see a battle that was decide you know when god when you win a battle it's a decisive victory yes. Yes, our god is into decisive victories okay first samuel chapter 7 starting with verse 7 you know you know the bible uses types and shadows and people who would invade israel were types and shadows of how the enemy comes against us. Okay? 1 Samuel 7, 7. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. Notice, the enemy heard that Israel was gathered, so they came and they were going to attack them. Okay? And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Now, a, a normal, natural, physical reaction to attacks is fear, right? That is the first thing. If you give place to fear, then you're giving place to the enemy because fear is not a spirit of God. Fear is a spirit, but it doesn't come from God. How many times... When people saw an angel, what was the angel's response to the people? Be not afraid. When Jesus showed up, like when he walked on water, first thing he said, be not afraid. Right? He was always, when when Jairus heard the report that his daughter was dead, Jesus said, be not afraid. Okay? So the first thing that we've got to overcome is fear. Fear will tempt you to be afraid. All right? But we have to refuse to be afraid. I know that your body's going, ah! But your spirit has control over your body. Tell your body, be quiet, hush, shut your mouth. Amen? Just sit there and be quiet. And don't do anything until I tell you to do something. Amen? 
So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry out unto the Lord our God for us. So they went to the person who had the anointing. Alright? And number one way to overcome the enemy is pray. Stop, drop, and pray. Did you know that prayer is part of our armor? Ephesians 6.18, praying with all manner, all kinds of prayer in the spirit. Amen? It's part of the armor. Right? Prayer is a weapon. Prayer is, is the believer's air force. It's where we can launch missiles. Hallelujah. So they go to Samuel, pray for us, that he will that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. All right? So Philistines were coming, but they wanted God to deliver them out of the hand of the Philistines, and that's God's will. Amen? God wants you to deliver out of the hand of the enemy. God will deliver you so quick, the enemy can't even put his hands on you. How many grew up in the 80s? MC Hammer? You can't touch this. Right? You can't touch this. Through Je- as long as we're in Jesus Christ, we're untouchable to the enemy. I'm a product of the 80s and I love rap, so. So what did Samuel do? Verse 9. Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it. He gave an offering. Another way to overcome an enemy's attack is give. You know, if the enemy wants to contain you in poverty, God wants you to give to prosperity. So sometimes you got to give to break out. Amen? Sometimes you got to name a seed. This is my breakout seed. God will take that seed. Like when the angel appeared to Manoah, Samson's dad, he said, wait a minute, let me go get an offering for you. He went and prepared a kid and brought it to him and made some broth. The angel was sitting there waiting. He made the angel wait. Why? He knew the importance. You're giving me something for my future. I'm going to give you something for my present. So Samuel took a sucking lamb, offered it for a burnt offering, holy to the Lord. Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. Doesn't the Lord hear us? Prayer is a weapon. Samuel prayed. God heard. All right? Verse 10. As Samuel was offering the burnt offering... The Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and disconfitted them. That means it confused them. And they were smitten before Israel. When did God speak? When he was given the offering. And the Philistines heard a thundering voice that struck their hearts with confusion. This is what God does to deliver you from the enemy. He confuses the enemy. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines. God turned the tables on the enemy. Instead of being the pursuers, they were the pursued. Instead of being the hunters, they were the hunted. 
and smote them until they came under Beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name Ebenezer, which means the stone of help, saying, Hitherto has the Lord helped us. Has the Lord helped us? He's a very present help when? In trouble. Hallelujah. When you're in trouble, when you're in your darkest hour, when you're in your most challenging moment, God is a help. He's a very present help. He's there to help. He's there to do great things. He's there to overcome. Hallelujah. Now get this. I talked about a decisive victory. Verse 13. So the Philistines were subdued. And they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Woo! They came, they got whipped so bad that they came no more into the coast of Israel. The end, God will whoop your enemy so bad. He won't want to come and attack you. Don't touch them. Hallelujah. So what are some practical ways that we can overcome? I am so glad that you asked. Number one, you've got to refuse to tolerate the situation. We must overcome passivity. That means doing nothing. And compliance in our lives if we are to fight back against the enemy. Alright? Listen, when you get to be sick and tired of being attacked and overrun by the enemy, you'll take some action. Some of, for some of us it's longer, for some of us it's shorter. You decide. I mean, how long do you want to put up with it? I mean, think about Pharaoh. Think about how confused a, pride, a prideful person is. One of the plagues was frogs, right? There were so many frogs in Egypt, they were in the ovens. They were in the pots. They were in the bed, okay? And uh, Moses said, do you want me to get rid of the frogs? Oh, no, you can do it tomorrow. One more night with the frogs. Are you kidding me? That's That's stupid. You got frogs in the oven and frogs in the pot. You want to put up with it one more day? No, you got to you got to get to the point where you resist it quickly, steadfast in the faith. Amen. You got to refuse to. Uh, you, you got to fight back. You can't do nothing. Hallelujah. Go to First Timothy chapter six. Ask the master strategist, who is the Holy Spirit, what you need to do for this battle. You know, because every battle is different. All right? But go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Glory to God. Look at verse 12. 1 Timothy 6, 12. He said, fight the good fight of What? If you're fighting people, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong fight. Fight the good fight of feelings? No, you're in the wrong fight. Fight the good fight of faith. How do you do that? 
you lay hold on eternal life. How many's got a good grip on eternal life? How many are possessed with eternal life? I'm possessed. I'm possessed by God. Amen. How did you get possessed by God? I invited him in and he came in. All right. Whereunto you are also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. You got to possess eternal life and you got to use your mouth and speak the word. A good profession is what the word says. Let me, I just got this book today. I picked it up in the mail and it had something in there that I, that was going to bless you today that goes right along with this. This is from Mark Hankins. It's called The Great Confession. All right. And, uh, in it, he says, uh, to fight the good fight of faith, that means if you're in any other kind of fight, you're really in the wrong fight. A lot of times the devil will get people fighting against each other. The only kind of fight we're called to fight is a fight of faith. In the fight of faith, you're not fighting for victory. You're really fighting from victory. Why? When you got born again, you, you were elevated to the highest place. You were given every spiritual blessing. Amen. You were given every advantage, every weapon. Hallelujah. The moment you accepted Jesus, you were armed and ready. Okay. Now, this is really good. He said, uh, capturing key positions. He says, I like history and enjoy reading and studying about different battles that have made an impact in our nation and the world. And the United States Civil War uh, lasted from uh, 1861 to 1865. One of the most strategic battles of the Civil War was at Gettysburg, right here in Pennsylvania. Listen to this. This key battle ended up determining who won the war. You know, sometimes the battle will make a difference. I mean, you, you got to make sure the battle makes a difference. All right. The two generals uh, in this battle were Robert E. Lee from the south uh, and the Confederates and George Meade from the north. There were over 50,000 casualties in Gettysburg. The most strategic part of these three days at Gettysburg happened in a little area of the battlefield called Little Round Top. I've seen it. I've been there. Little Round Top was a hill that both the north and the south recognized as a key position. A mili- as military strategists, they knew that whoever captured and held the hill would win Gettysburg. General Robert E. Lee was aware of this, but his men were tired he decided to let them rest and begin the attack the next day. They could have walked up, they could have walked right up the hill, but because they were battle weary, they lost the advantage. Being tired can cost you in a faith battle if you give into it. A small group of about 400 soldiers from the north, led by Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, immediately went and took Little Round Top. At all, and uh, he was instructed to hold Little Round Top at all costs. Sometimes you got to hold on to some things because it'll cost you if you lose it. The officers knew that if they lost this hill, the South Army would defeat and destroy the Northern armies. Chamberlain encouraged his small regiment saying, Seldom in a generation have men been given the responsibility that will shape a nation. A tremendous battle broke out. Thousands of soldiers from the south came up that hill to drive them off. 
Chamberlain's group held the hill even though they were driven back three times. The Union soldiers were exhausted and out of ammunition. But instead of giving in, Chamberlain boldly ordered the men to fix their bayonets and charge. The Confederates were surprised as the Union soldiers ran at them and they began to run and surrender. Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain held Little Round Top and by winning that battle, they won Gettysburg and the Civil War. Chamberlain became a hero of the Union Army uh, for holding that hill. He, later, he was later promoted to general and then he became governor of Maine. Hallelujah. How many know it's important to hold on to eternal life? Amen. Glory to God. We got to be doers of the word. All right. Number two, you got to be filled with righteous indignation. There was a story, a true story in the book of Daniel. And this crazy king who was full of himself made a golden statue of himself. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. And he wanted everybody to bow and worship the idol that he had made of himself. Well, there was three teenage boys. Ooh, glory to God for the teenagers. Hallelujah. Teenagers. They they had some righteous indignation. They said, this is not right. We are not going to bow. I don't care how much pressure you put on us. And the pressure was, if you don't bow, you burn. Turn it up. We don't care if you turn it up. Turn it up as high as you want. We are not going to bow. We heard you the first time. I'm just, I'm paraphrasing. Right? King gave him two chances. When, he, when they first didn't bow, then he said, let me explain this to you how it's going to work. And they said, we're, we're not careful to answer you, O king. O Matt, they even called him majesty. They respected the authority. But they said, we're not going to bow. We don't bow to idols. I don't care who tells us to. Amen? I don't care if it's the government. I don't care if it's the country. I don't care if it's the king. We're not going to bow. You got that attitude? Amen? We got that attitude? Hallelujah. Well, they didn't bow. Guess what? They were thrown in the fire. But because they didn't bow, they didn't burn either. Amen? Hallelujah. And guess what? The king became a believer. They said, we're going to worship the God of these boys. They got a hold of something. Amen? Hallelujah. They staved off an attack, didn't they? They overcame. All right, number three. You got to exercise spiritual violence. Go to Matthew 11, please. Matthew 11 and verse 12. We got to exercise some spiritual violence. What does that mean? You got to use the force of faith. Did you know that faith is a force? It is. Matthew 11, 12. All right. Hallelujah. There we go. And from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Hallelujah. The violent take it by force. A better way to say it is, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been governed by force, and only those in power control it. Amen. Who has the power? We have the power in the name of Jesus, don't we? All right. Uh the violent men are have zeal. 
They, they have eagerness, right? They have a desire. They grasp the kingdom of heaven with its peace and its pardon and its blessedness with as much eagerness as they would if someone was to go and uh, take a city. Amen? Hallelujah. God gave me some examples of the violent taking it by force. David killing a lion and a bear to prevent the loss of sheep. That was the violent taking it by force. Right? He, he said, you are not going to take these sheep and a lion. What did David have? What was his main weapon? A sling. He grabbed the lion by his hand and killed him with his bare hands and a bear. Amen? That's the violent taking it by force. Gideon going to battle with 300 people. That's the violent taking it by force. Amen? Gideon won. He beat an innumerable army. Hundreds of thousands of people were defeated by 300 men and God. Glory to God. Abraham going to rescue his nephew Lot. He also had 318 people. He routed four, five kings. He took back the stuff that they took. Supernatural, amen? Joshua stopping the sun to defeat the enemy. That's the violent taking it by force. Listen, I got I to gotta finish this battle. Before nighttime, son, you stand still so I can finish the job. What happened? The son said, yes, sir. Seriously, I mean, that's the violent taking it by force. The four friends who bought their paralyzed friend on the roof and lowered him in front of Jesus. That's the violent taking it by force. Amen. The kingdom of God suffers violence. Yeah, there's persecution. The enemy wants to stop it, but he can't. He, he'll try, but he's not going to succeed. Amen? Amen? Jarius, who petitioned the Lord to heal his daughter, even in the face of death, he refused to back down. He refused to quit. He refused to stop believing. Amen? Amen. He believed and he received. His daughter was raised to life. That's the violent taking it by force. Glory to God. The woman with the issue of blood, she's, I'm going to make my way to Jesus. She did. Think about it. When you, when you lose blood for 12 years, think about how weak you feel. All right? And then the Roman centurion who told Jesus, all you got to do is speak the word and everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Just speak the word. Amen. Whew, I just, everything's going to be all right. Isn't that a song or something? Oh, yeah, I've got a feeling. Everything's going to, how many got a feeling? I got a feeling on the inside, amen? I got a voice on the inside saying everything's going to be all right. Amen? No matter what challenge, no matter what you're facing, amen? Amen. Say everything's going to be all right. Hallelujah. And do, do you realize that we have the greatest, we have access to the greatest name in the universe, the name of Jesus. We can speak the name of Jesus. And it's as, it's, when we do, when we speak the name of Jesus, it's as if just, it's as if Jesus is right there because he is. Amen. Hallelujah. We gotta declare the name of Jesus. And then finally, if we want to overcome the enemy, we have to offer glorious, spontaneous, Praise to God. 
I'm not talking about a Sunday school song. I'm talking about praise that comes from your innermost being. Amen. Praise that broke out at midnight in a jail. They, Paul and Silas began to sing praises to God and offer thanksgiving in a way where the other prisoners heard them. Now you gotta, you gotta understand, their bodies were physically beaten. They were in a dark, smelly pit that was a cell. And they were in chains. Why? Because they got a girl delivered from demonic oppression. The enemy thought, listen, you cast the devil out of my person, I'm going to contain you. And God says, just try it. Because when they, when they began to sing. Now, when your body's beaten and you're in chains and you're in darkness, do you feel like singing? Do you think they felt like singing? Hey, Paul, how you feel? I don't feel like singing. But guess what? You don't go by your feelings. They started singing. They started, I'm going to call it belting a tune. Right? They started to belt out a tune. And all of a sudden, God started tapping his foot. Ooh, that's a pretty good song, boys. I like that song. And you know, when God taps his foot, things happen. Now, an, a normal earthquake doesn't loose chains and open prison doors. But this was not a normal earthquake. This was the presence of God that was brought into a scene because they, they decided to offer glorious praise to God, spontaneous praise. Amen? Hallelujah. They, and they belted it out, glory to God. And all of a sudden, that jail shook those chains, not just them. But every jail cell opened. Every prisoner lost his chains, including Paul and Silas. Your glorious, spontaneous praise will send shockwaves into the atmosphere. It's like throwing a rock into a pond and the water, the ripples start to go out. The moment someone breaks into spontaneous, glorious praise, the atmosphere changes. It fills with the glory of God and the power of God. And things begin to happen. Things begin to shake and things begin to break. Hallelujah. And then you have Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament. He was surrounded by three enemies, came to attack him, and he led a fast for three days. And he got God's insight into the situation, and he inquired of the people, and they determined to send the praisers out before the warriors. Where would you read that in a West Point manual? But let me tell you something. Another one of your greatest weapons is praise, because praise is the highest form of prayer. So yeah, I'm going to seal this, I'm going to seal this attack with some praises to God. And they, they, the praises were out there playing the flutes, playing the harps. They're singing their songs. Hallelujah. And the enemy's like, what in the world are they doing? The enemy had no clue. The enemy was confused. So you know what the enemy did? The enemy killed himself. So the three people that came against Jehoshaphat, they killed each other. So when Jehoshaphat got to the battlefield, all his enemy was dead. 
And all he had to do was gather the spoil. Three days. It took him to gather the spoil. He didn't have to unsheath his sword. Hallelujah. They just had to release something from their mouth. Amen. And they overcame the enemy. They overcame the attack. Hallelujah. How about you? Are you ready to overcome the attack? No matter how the enemy attacks you, no matter what he attacks you with, you've got the means, you've got the weapons to overcome every attack, to win every battle, to push back every onslaught against you. Hallelujah. We have a living God. We have a covenant. We have the Savior who overcame death, hell, and the grave. We have his name. We have his blood. We have the word of God. Hallelujah. We can't lose. We can't lose. We can't lose. Amen. Say, I'm ready to overcome. I'm a champion. I'm a winner. I win by showing up. I win by speaking. I win by standing my ground. Do you realize one of David's men, he loved burritos so much that he defended a bean field. Seriously, one of David's men killed 800 men in one setting. In one, in one instance, he killed 800 men. And another guy, he fought so hard and so long that his hand was stuck to his sword. They had to literally like pry his hand from his sword because it was, they were kind of like melted as one. He's swinging that sword so much, killing so many enemies that guess what? We got to have our hands melted with the sword of the Spirit. Amen. Need overcome today? You may not have known that you're going to overcome today, but you came here to over an overcoming meeting. Amen. You're going to overcome, overcome enemy attack. Hallelujah! I don't care if the enemy brings the kitchen sink; doesn't matter. Amen. He's going to be defeated. Do you realize he can only come, he comes at you one way, but he'll flee from you seven ways. Seven ways. Death is an enemy. Sickness is an enemy. Poverty is an enemy. Lack is an enemy. Wandering around not knowing what your purpose is is an enemy. And all these things are designed to contain you. Do you realize the enemy will gladly hold the ladder while you crawl up on the shelf and do nothing for God? He'll be, he'll be more than willing because he doesn't have to do anything. He's already contained you. You are uncontainable because you have an uncontainable God. There's no box that, can, that God can fit in. Glory to God. Amen. Our God is big. Our God is strong. Our God is able. He can do anything. Nothing is too hard for God. Amen? Now, there's some people here that need to overcome today. You're going to overcome your sickness with healing. You're going to overcome your loss with restoration. You're going to overcome your, your poverty with prosperity. Amen? And if that's you today... If there's something that you need to overcome, I want you to come up today and I want to pray for you and I want you to anoint you with oil. Amen. The oil of overcoming. Glory to God. The oil of overcoming. It's fresh oil. Amen. 
It's an oil that comes from God. If you need to overcome something today, come on up. Amen? There's an anointing here to help you overcome. Now, when you come up, you got to believe. you got to believe that you're an overcomer. Amen? You're more than a conqueror. God said, Jesus said so. You're more than a conqueror. Glory to God, I'm even going to put some oil on my hands. And God's going to anoint you. Amen? You believe that you receive? I want you to say this. Say, Lord, I'm coming to get it. And I'm leaving with it. And I'm not going to settle for anything less. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.